Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast where we are all just pigs in human clothing. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we are talking about the original anime series, Kill La Kill. The series debuted in October 2013 and ran for 24 episodes. The, this anime ties back to two shows we previously talked about, as it was the first anime produced by Studio Trigger, the same studio that produced Little Witch Academia, and it was directed by Hiroyuki Imaishi, the director of Gurren Lagann. The story follows Ryuko Matoi, a girl looking to avenge her father's death at the hands of a mysterious figure wielding a scissor blade. Her search leads her to Honoji Academy, a militaristic high school led by Satsuki Kurian, where students are divided into a class system based on who wears Goku uniforms, clothes that grant their wearers superhuman abilities. After suffering defeat at the hands of a Goku-wearing student, Ryuko finds Senketsu, a uniform in her father's basement that is composed completely of life fibers, the same material that gives Goku uniforms their strength. With this new power at her disposal, Ryuko sets off to take down Satsuki and get the answers she's been searching for. Kill a Kill was met with widespread critical acclaim and was praised for its fight scenes, over-the-top absurdity, and story. And as always, there will be spoilers. Now, I don't usually rewatch animes. I usually am just a person who watches an anime through once, and that's enough for me. But for this anime, I will rewatch this at the drop of a hat. There's something about this anime that I feel like every time I watch it, <laughs> I I see some like new thing they've done with the you, animation. You see new things when you watch I, it, huh? I, you really yeah, I see it to, a like, lot of things new when things? I watch it. A lot of things to see. Yeah, yeah. You like seeing things when you watch this show, huh? huh? <laughs> now, huh? for those of you who know what Kill a Kill is, and who probably know its reputation, you've probably heard of the absurd amount of fan service that is in this show. It's beyond and that is fan completely service. true. It's beyond fan service. It's like <laughs> it's bordering on pornographic at times. <laughs> but but it also has a lot of other things as well in addition to this fan service i feel so what you're saying is alex you really watch it for the plot i do watch it for the plot <laughs> but no i i love the the musical direction the animation the fight scenes uh just like the whole package this is pure if you distilled anime down to its purest essence and then turn the dial up to 1000 this would be the anime i enjoy watching this anime every single time i've recommended it to our friend group um specifically you marcus and so i feel like as the other person who has watched kill a kill uh before uh mult I, sh I should say one time before our rewatch for this episode i feel like i should pass it on to you before i pass it on to uh, iris and michael well thank you alex that's very nice of you um I believe Danielle was there, too, when you first showed it to us. Uh, this was, again, during one of our uh, springtime, whatever-the-fuck year, pre-pandemic, <laughs> of course. Um, 
uh anime watch session and uh kill a kill you just kind of brought to the table and said and i it was almost the exact same way you described it now it was you know beyond uh, beyond reasoning beyond explanation you just kind of had to experience it for what it was and uh you're you're absolutely right i watched it all the way through the first time and when i had the opportunity to bring it here for a podcast episode again, I found myself watching through the entire thing a second time and then watching through my favorite episodes a third time. It's just something about this show gives me hype. It it, it breathes life into me and it's uh it's really something. It's it's just incredible entertaining content. And as you said, Alex, the music is ridiculous the fight scenes are incredible the animation super high quality yes the fan service is borderline no not even borderline it is straight up disgusting in some scenes which <laughs> i don't usually watch anymore but um it's it's it, it really is you know the kind of the best of the worst and everything in between about anime and then if you decided to really just jack it up so far that it you know expands beyond what really i think is uh suitable for i guess daytime family tv or whatever because it's certain this is certainly not it but it's just uh it's really just a whale of a time and i i really can't get enough of this show i'm going to continue watching it uh a long time in the future for sure um all right so i have never watched this anime before and uh as of today i have watched the whole thing uh, so, where do I begin? <laughs> um, I guess I'll start with, I really did like this one. And I know there was, like, something in my head that was kind of, I was, okay, how about, how about this? I, I, I think in my head, I was looking at how this anime kind of distinguishes itself from something like Good and Login. Because... I think it's unmistakable that you could find sort of the sort of connections and the the path that it took from Gurren Lagann to this one. Um, and so when I was thinking about Gurren Lagann, I, for me, Gurren Lagann actually has lower lows, but higher highs than this anime. <laughs> and hmm. so while this anime, yes, does have its like super awesome epic moments and it's like, disgusting moments they're like it's like they're they're like not as good and as bad as good and login and i was very surprised i was like waiting for it to go like worse than good and login and somehow better than good and login um and at the same time it did a lot of what i really liked about good and login the sort of what i i was trying to coin this term in my head but it's not a real term but like the you never really know what the like what the what the what the world is in a good way. Like at first, it's like you're at Hanoji Academy and you have these Goku uniforms, and then it expands and expands and expands, and eventually all of these sort of things begin to change, and the context of where you are and what you are doing changes, but in a way that's really satisfying, and that was something that Gunnar Logan did, but, like, next level. Like, that's something that I've never seen something do. And this one also did it. And so, I really like it. I also think that it does have, like, bad moments, but I also really like it. I That's all I can say right now. 
All right, I I have been preparing myself all day to be, you know, the the voice of dissent on this episode. Um, here's the thing. Hiroyuki Imaishi, the director, uh, Kazuki Nakashima, head writer, both of whom worked together on Gurren Lagann, they are experts at breaking my heart. Not because of the story itself, not because of what happens in the story. I'm not getting heartbroken over any of the deaths or any of the things that happen in the story. I'm heartbroken because this is a show I want so desperately to love for its good things and cannot because of all its bad things. And yes, I am talking almost exclusively about the air quote fan service, which, you know, I, I could not even like prevent myself from commenting on just a few minutes ago. It's It's real bad, but like... It's to the point where I was desperately trying to like focus on the parts of the show that I enjoy because there are plenty of parts of the show that I loved. As you mentioned, the animation, the soundtrack is incredible. The 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 way that the the just stakes are ridiculous and the world just things happen. It's absurd. It's almost farcical at times. It's like all the you know. For those of you who uh, listened to our Gurren Lagann episode, you know that I had sort of trouble with the first half of that show. Uh, but it honestly, the the absurdity really charms me, you know, uh, when 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 watching this one. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, I cannot, you know, I can I can recognize these things, but I cannot turn off the part of my brain that is like this is disgusting and this is offensive to me, and like I understand you know, that there is sort of an in-universe reason that they are showing, you know, like, literal teenagers running around in what is essentially fetish gear and, like, you know, like, showing their bare asses and, and, and getting shots of, like, a bunch of teenagers just being naked, like, literally every single episode. I understand that there is a justification, air quotes, in the narrative, but there is... A thousand different ways they could have told this story without any of those things, you know, without being predatory, without having all like the the rapey moments that that I noticed without doing all this really uncomfortable and really not okay sexualization of like literal like teenagers. These are high school students. I I just why, 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 why did they have to ruin the experience? with with this why could they not have just told a really fucking incredible story and had the cool ass clothing just like look cool as hell and not be i uh, just i i can i can rant about this like forever without saying anything that actually has any content to it but it's just it hurts me in my soul that such good writing and such good voice acting and such entertaining uh uh narrative and such great animation and such an incredible soundtrack ugh all of that is forever to me going to be overshadowed with the part that is just like repulsive to me and and that I think should not exist in its cur- in its form. That's my take. That's my take. Yeah. If you've ever watched this show, you know how in the face all the gratuitous uh naked women and I guess also naked men. There's um, a lot of naked men. I don't yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh it's But not it's even just your- naked, like sexualized too. You know, like the with the 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 way the kamui the outfits turn into you know the the thing you know the 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 high heeled you know like thigh high boots and the long arms and the big collars, but you know everything between from like the nipple to the 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 pelvic bone is bare, right? 
you know, and it's all the the way that the magical girl transformation sequences are like you get a like the briefest glimpse of just the bare body, and then you know the the close ups on the boobs flapping in ways that no human breasts move. You know, the close up on like yeah, you know, you can't see any genitals, but that's a whole butt just hanging out, just the whole ass cheeks and everything. Go ahead, take a long look. We're gonna focus right in on it. Like it's beyond just nudity. I I do I do wonder though. Uh... I feel like because this show is so in your face about everything, uh, I mean, like action, uh, music, the like very loose definition of fan service. I wonder if it is different from like the other anime types uh, type of shows that like slip in fan service. That's just like, oh, look, this is just here for this uh, for like the people who want to see boobs and butts. Um, rather than it being like, I feel like Kill a Kill at least is upfront with like, okay, this is what we're bringing to the table. Here you go. Yeah, I wanted to mention something that like it's it's obviously like at its face value, it has all of the like the the neg the negative aspect of it. But I think that it is if we look at it in context of other anime, it is like it's almost like it's. It's like it's proud of it. It's that it is embracing it rather than trying to shy away from it. And for me personally, I it's it's not something that I can forgive, but it's something that means that it is they like they like took the effort. Like they can you can easily insert fan service to every single anime and pretty much every anime does. But this one kind of took the effort to make the fan service the plot <laughs> in in a, in a certain way. Yeah, I think this, again, this is going back to the show's, uh, like, turning everything up to 100 or 10, 1,000%. That includes the fan service, unfortunately. Uh, but I did want to go over y'all's favorite characters and moments that you identified throughout the show. And I think I'll start with mine. Uh, because my favorite character and moment kind of go hand in hand, uh, which is my favorite character is the Honoji Academy Disciplinary Committee Chair. Of course it is! I I was literally (laughs) about to guess that. It's Gamagori. It's Gamagori. It's Gamagori. (laughs) It has to be Gamagori. Um, Gamagori is... I feel like everything he does is... Almost at the level of Satsuki, like the the absurdity of it. I mean, just the, and my favorite scene is the opening scene uh, of the anime. Probably the best tone setting opening of any anime, just because of the entire sequence. It's him like chasing after this person who's stolen a Goku uniform and just like whipping him around the entire academy. It sets the tone perfectly for how crazy this anime is going to be. But yeah, I just love Gamagori. And he, his, the way that they animate him to always be an indeterminate size, no matter what scene he is in. <laughs> um, and just how he goes about like doing everything with a completely serious yet passionate manner from like driving... <laughs> driving cars to like defending the people he's in charge of and 
he's he is earnest. I mean, he the defensive people doesn't go strictly towards like Satsuki and the elite four. It goes for everyone in the school and. Yeah, I just love that about him. I also love his re- uh, relationship with uh, Mako and how it grows over the series. I think that's really sweet, what happens between the two of them. But uh, yeah, what about the rest of y'all? What were some of the characters or scenes that stood out to you? Um, my favorite character, and I'm sure we're going to talk about her more later, is Nuri Harime. Yes. <laughs> um, just because, like, obviously Ragyo Kiryuen is like the main villain of this entire show, but somehow, Nuri Harime, like, Ragyo Kiryuen makes me feel like I want to defeat her. Nuri Harime makes me want to kill her. <laughs> like, <laughs> she... I, I love it when villains are unfazed completely when something happens, when they're fighting or when they're doing anything. And Nuri Harime has this, like, like, you know, this, like, cheerful disposition all throughout the show until pretty much the very end when her arms gets cut off. Spoiler. Um, as well as when she turns into the giant life fiber thing. Um, but, yeah, I really love that. And then my favorite scene, um, albeit the other favorite scene that I have is related to Ragyo specifically, but my favorite scene was the end of the Elite Four arc. Like, episode 9 or 10, I forgot. When Nudi comes in... Um, and just like, yep, I killed your dad. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. I, I think I think the quote is, I pulled the scissor out of your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was great. Well, on that point, actually, though, about the, the difference between Ragyo and Nui, I'm going to analogize it to the difference between Voldemort and Umbridge, right? Oh, because Ragyo, she's the big bad. She's the ultimate villain. She's the bad guy. But Nui... Nui is the one who makes it personal. <laughs> and she's the one who gets up right in Ryuko's and our, you know, the audience's faces. And it's like, yeah, I killed your dad. What are you going to do about it? Like, mocks our, you know, our, our protagonist about murdering her father in order to, like, provoke her into a rage to, like, fuck her up. Like, honestly, kind of insufferable, right? The whole, like, fake cutesy hiding, yeah. uh, you know, like a just vicious, utter cruelty is also a very umbrage thing. Right, like she's the one who like we hate and we love to hate, and she's the one where like it, that hits close to home. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a great uh, a great character and a great moment to choose. Yeah, I I also think that I remember the first time I watched through this show with Alex, I was straight up terrified from from about Nuri just because you never knew where her power level was like <laughs> when she was first introduced obviously she was going toe to toe with uh fully life fiber synchronized Ryuko but like then then she dispatches the elite four like pretty much four on one without too much difficulty like she she was never you never knew, even even when she got stabbed, like, the first three times, you never knew, like, you always knew she wasn't gonna die, because that was <laughs> just a new thing to do. Uh, it was, it, like, it's still, and of course, we'll, we'll mention this as well when we talk about the music, but her theme is absolutely my favorite theme of this entire show. The way that it kind of builds up with the, the, the choral part, and the, you know, the cutesy little part of it that goes into the deep lows, and then eventually the bass, uh, that belies a truly terrifying presence um 
Yeah, Nui was one of my favorite character choices. Gamagori was another one. Um, <laughs> I, I was trying very hard to find a third after you guys named yours, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I love a lot of these different characters, but Nui and Gamagori are definitely kind of the standouts. Mako as well. Um, all right, Iris, yeah, go no, for it. you just you just don't like my my actual answer was going to be Mako, um, who is just in so many ways such a breath of fresh air in 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 this show right i mean she's the she's the the counterbalance to the incredible intensity and just deep deep seriousness like her and also uh the rest of her family as well um like this i don't know if this is my favorite moment but definitely like one of my favorite moments is when um mako's dad like the whole family like rushes up to uh gamagori right before the festival and is like where's my daughter what happened to her and he's you know he's like whoa you're you know your daughter's a traitor we're gonna you know give you one chance to to save yourselves and he's like all right but i have two questions and he goes through a fucking like all might transformation yeah, the, the, the animation being so blobby and flat and he gets like super <laughs> shaded and like like the eyes are like all shaded in and the eyebrows are massive and he's just like is my daughter alive yes will there be food yes all right we're fine <laughs> like the the whole the you know i think mako is one of the best sort of like vehicles for the humor in this show just because um it's the 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 rapid uh uh just tonal shift right something really serious will be happening and then like boop there's Mako and she's jumping in and she's doing the thing where she speaks super fast and like jumps all over the place. And yeah, does the, does the, the, the pose, which everyone is now doing simultaneously on our video call, does the pose with her hair, her wrists crossed above her head. I don't know why she does that. She's ridiculous, but honestly, like as, as, as someone who has ADHD, I see myself in Mako, an extreme <laughs> version of myself, perhaps a hyper, you know, like a distillation of all the stereotypes, but I love her for bringing, you know, the show back from its, like, you know, hyper-seriousness. I love her for the comedy. And I love her for sort of being, like, our emotional center. You know? Like, she's the one who, despite it all, sticks with Ryuko. Like, with her. Not just, you know, her and Senketsu. Her for her powers. Her for what she can do. Right? She's the only one who's, like, the realest friend to Ryuko. And... You know, more than that, I guess, at the end. I'm not convinced it was a, you know, very well done, like, instance of, you know, queer representation. But it's something. I'll give it to them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I love her. She's 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 great. Also, shout out to Soroi, the butler. Yes! Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Incredible. Anyway, uh, my absolute favorite moment, because I forgot to mention it, was when... Satsuki and Monster Ryuko are fighting in episode 12, and they're basically, they have yes, these auras around her, and they're was... approaching each other, but Ryuko is swimming through the fucking, like, life fiber magic ocean, <laughs> screaming, Ryuko, 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 yeah, Ryuko, yeah. Ryuko, was the, like, I was literally laughing out loud, <laughs> I could not believe how funny that, uh, like, I for, completely forgot that scene existed when I, on the rewatch, and oh my god. I can't believe she... you just stole that from me. I was literally <laughs> about to say that. I was literally oh about god. to say that. I was in the middle of my lead up to that moment oh, which man. is like such a beautiful fusion of just like the comedy and just like genuine you know like caring it's great uh so thanks marcus <laughs> yeah i mean there's a point to be said that a lot of the character growth that ryoko experiences is because of mako um uh i mean what happens in the episode 12 when she's swimming through the water happens again 
when Ryuko is taken over by Junketsu uh, in episode, I think, 19 or 20. Mako, like, comes in and undoes the brainwashing along with... She literally, like, goes into her heart. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I I mean, metaphors don't get much more heavy-handed than that. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I love the the character arc we see for Ryuko and Satsuki because at the end of that uh, arc where they're both on uh, the naked soul, the the gigantic blade ship, nudist uh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they the the thing that really resonated me of their like character motivations and character arcs was when they were saying like they recognized that both of them had crazy people who would back them and support them. For Ryoko, it was Mako. For Satsuki, it was the Elite Four. Uh, looking at you, Gamagori. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I love that that progression and that character growth that's in this in this entire series. It's something that once again you can you can kind of like dismiss when you first look at the show um, and how it presents itself. But yeah, I I just love that part. Yeah, talking about Satsuki for a second. I I will say, and I, I apologize again for comparing this to Good and Logan, but <laughs> Good and Logan's twists felt galactic. Kind of because it was, honestly. Um, this show's twists were, in my opinion, much more character-focused. Um, yeah, and I really appreciate I that. that. Specifically, specifically, I want to talk about the Satsuki's twists. Uh, yes. AKA Satsuki was uh, a good person all along. So when I got to that episode, um, right. So context, Ragyo is like, oh, start the ceremony. It's time. We're like ready and stuff. And Satsuki is like, okay, we're ready. We're having the thing. Everyone wear the thing. And then, you know, consume everyone in the stadium. Um, and then the twist, of course, is that Satsuki is like, I've been fighting you, Ragyo, this whole time. The reason that I made these Goku uniforms is that it, so, is that so I could build these children or students who are like quote unquote resistant to the powers of the life fibers, and it's like I that was one moment that I hadn't felt in an anime in ever that I was like, oh my god, they're actually good guys, and <laughs> it's different. Like for example, uh, I, I I recall this moment in Bofidi where. Like, the people that they're going up against, the like, the, the really high-level people that, like, eventually mm. become their friends, right, at mm. the very end. Like, that's one way to, like, turn a quote-unquote enemy into, like, a good guy. But the way that this show did that was sick. Like, I don't know why. I, I, I'm having trouble explaining it's well why done. it works. I mean, it is. It, and, like, like the, secret, the secret hero thing is not, like... A, a, a narrative device I think I can even really name another example of that's like even even close to like this level of yeah this like our primary antagonist for the entire show like two-thirds at the end of act two like flips on a dime and reveals that you know they've been a good guy all along and maybe like you know not not like a good guy in the way that all the rest of our protagonists are not a hero perhaps but an anti-hero if you will or sort of this this um you know, fighting for the side of the angels, you know, the devil on the side of the angels, I guess, uh, is is how you can term it. I, I really can't think of anything else that has, like, done that in quite this way. And honestly, like, it 
feels really impressive, like the extent to which they made it feel real and believable. And I even I even remember making myself a note on episode like I want to say like 17 or maybe a little bit before being like, like, when did this ha- like 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 man Satsuki like now compared to the beginning of the show is like had such a such an about face. And it feels weird to like still be treating her as such the villain when like she's clearly like had like some kind of a change of heart and you know she's being all like thoughtful and philosophical and talking about the past and everything and that's like oh oh she's not a bad guy at all <laughs> that's what this was leading up to like that's what i want to say is the impressive part the way that it feels sort of within believability of the character and like a lot of things and again as i've said before um a, a, a good twist recontextualizes a lot of what previously had occurred and when i saw the twist i thought back to the Elite Four arc right before it as well as during it. And, like, outside the battles that are going on, like, the four of them and Satsuki are, like, pretty cordial. Like, Gamagori is just, like, there and he's like, you want to ride? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> yeah, after... yeah, he's just hanging out with them. Yeah, he's just hanging out. And then, like, dur- when the battle starts and they're and, um, uh, Ryoko is just like, let's go right now! And she's like, it's okay, you can rest. You just like had you just fought someone. You could you could rest. You know, he's just like, ah, whatever. And he's like, okay. Um and like in those moments, you don't you just think it's some sort of like villainous cordiality, or I don't know the term, but like, you know, like this sort of like, oh, it's I will beat you on my own terms without you being villain's honor or something. Exactly, exactly. But mm-hmm, then you realize mm-hmm. it's like, no, Satsuki is like is like pushing Ryoko Ryoko to be become stronger and stronger. And the only reason that uh, Sinketsu was able to transform into those forms was because of that battle. Like, she was, like, tr- she was literally training her. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the best the best thing about the Satsuki twist for me is that she she doesn't really change her, her, her personality t- once yeah. the twist happens. Because it could have been so easy for, you know, the meme, it's like, uh, boss, final boss when you fight him versus final boss when they're a player <laughs> character. They could have done something similar where Satsuki gets pushed to the side. She's not really focused too, on too much when she flips to the good side, but she's still that haughty, uh, like, uh, person who looks down what, on people. What did she say? Did she say, like, like, so, something is freedom and something else. What, what, what was it was called? very like 1984 kind of, yeah. you know, like, like liberal, like freedom. enslavement. Yeah, fear is, is freedom and like. Contradiction is truth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. It was, it was, it was extremely 1984 yeah. Orwellian vibes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, I mean, I love the fact that she is still recognizable as a character, even as she starts fighting for uh, our side, for Ryuko's side. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. She does get a haircut in, like, the series closing credits or you know, whenever she gets it, right? Like, that is a pretty big personality shift. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. We, you've heard it here, folks. The next villains, the hair follicles. They're coming. Oh, my God. That's yeah, the next no. The, 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 the villainous hair fibers yeah. that accelerated, <laughs> you know, evolution into, from, from, from lizards into mammals exactly. in order to cause us to grow hair. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. God, We're just vessels to... for the hair for, to, to repopulate. This is turning into a writer's desk. <laughs> no, oh God, please stop. Uh, but I, Actually, I no, want... let's do write this and let's make it not sexualize teenagers. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about two things we've kind of glossed over and haven't really focused on. 
That is the animation and the music. And I want to start by talking about the animation because true to form with Trigger and also, I guess, with Gurren Lagann, Gurren Lagann had crazy fight scenes. Uh, like you said, Michael, galaxy-spanning uh, stakes and galaxy-spanning fights. Uh, the animation in the fight scenes of Kill a Kill, especially in the ones between uh, Ryuko and Satsuki, are some of the best animated fights I've seen in pretty much any anime. Uh, and I love that they can go from a battle that like jumps around, literally jumps around from like the outside of the school into like the classrooms, then bursting back out, then going to space, and then uh, going to the sky for some reason, can also be juxtaposed with these really simple animations. Uh, I think like any fight that Nui Harime is in has that kind of paper mache animation style. When she first defeats the uh, uh, Sanagiyama, the green swords guy, he like falls off the edge in like a uh, hilarious. He goes <laughs> yeah, it's like straight yeah, his way in. Yeah, it's it's ninety like, almost like Looney Tunes. It's not even Looney Tunes esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean. Those kinds of animation choices, along with uh, like <laughs> the words popping up on screen, uh, like taking and up the entire... And then they being diegetic. Those are the best parts. Like, yeah. they're yeah, actually yeah, behind them. The oh my god, yeah, no. The fact that like in the, in the, in the festival, when they showed up, then we pan over to like the screens, and they're on the screens in the black and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love the animation of this show. But yeah, what did, what did you all think? What were some crazy examples that you... You wanted to point out or bring to bring to the floor. I think I think one of the one of the first kind of examples you see of just how like next level the animation is in the show is in one of the episodes I didn't necessarily recommend. I think it's episode two where Ryuko goes up against the tennis uh, oh, yeah. the tennis club. Uh, I did present. actually. I did actually watch that. Did one. you watch that? Yeah. Okay. So this is this is a, literally just a tennis match but with two people who have super-powered clothing, and therefore it gives them power beyond what a normal tennis match can, can or like a tennis court can take, essentially. So every time the ball is hit, like, the, the sheer amount of force behind, like, the power of the swings is animated in such a way that, like, you know, it destroys the court when it impacts it, like, when, when for, for Ryuko's final strike, it, like, kind of... The, the tennis ball literally pours through the tennis racket's, like, strings before impacting the club president's, like, face and sending her through, like, a couple of walls. And, like, that's just one of the small moments which, you know, obviously belies... I, I still think the fight of Monster Yuko versus Satsuki, especially when she kind of knocks Satsuki into the wall and she just runs along the wall and leaps back at her. Mm. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. I do, actually. That was also that's a not, great yeah, moment. Episode 12, was, like... Fantastic. Episode twelve was fucking you know banger hundred percent front to back like I it's yeah I I don't know I'm not making any sense I'm really 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 excited about talking about this show and I really like it <laughs> yeah man it's it a, really it's cool. a great show I really wish I liked it <laughs> <laughs> um no but like I think for me sort of as far as the animation one of the most like notable things uh, is sort of a background element and it really is mainly uh, appears in act one and sort of in act two and it's just the sort of the general kind of the 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 military background happenings of 
the the academy, right? Because it is essentially a military installation. But I'm talking about every time, every single time that Satsuki appears and then instantly just like sliding in from the sides. There are the rows and rows of blank faced soldiers and they have all the <laughs> the march, the, the boot sounds, the marching uh, sounds going along with them. And they're all just like identical. And then you just zoom out and there's rows and rows and rows of them. And we go into this really like cool looking kind of perspective view rather than a more, you know, traditionally animated scene and you know we zoom out uh we, we see Sasuke and she's like glowing and this the the beams of light are stretching out into infinity and even more so honestly at the sports festival when Ragyo shows up and she's got the whole like rainbow color like flares of light and the moment where she does like all the 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 mind thread things and grabs all the students as her like mind puppet thralls I oh, mean that, that one moment where they all instantly line up after being like chaos but that's like, what I'm talking in, in, about right those God, instant, so those nice. instant lineups right the, the Hold like shing, and then suddenly it's like, you know, there's a whole army staring you down. That sort of thing happens over and over, right? That's that kind of animation, and it's honestly not even really called attention to, but it's so crisp and it's so intimidating, and it's, it gives you just such an instant, like visceral feeling of this is an army, you know, this is a military force. Uh, I think it's incredibly well done. I think it it does uh, a whole lot for just the the overall energy of Hanogi Academy for the first two acts. And speaking of the first two acts, kind of, my <laughs> this, this is like, I don't know, my favorite moments, and this is more of just an attention to detail, is just when uh, like Ryoko and Sasuke are fighting, or Ryoko and the Elite Four are fighting, and they're like, they're like blowing stuff up, and then they just show scenes of all of the students just like being <laughs> everywhere. Those always made me laugh, because I feel like in a lot of anime, and with like if there's ever onlookers they're fine but like in this one fuck them they're like they're all they're all out for the count <laughs> well but then they were eventually fine right I mean, right I remember but you know it's like you know when mako's you know, like come on follow me and everyone's like no and then she's like <laughs> i've got a food truck and everyone's like uh and they're all like blackened from the explosion they're basically and, like, covered zombies, in soot. Yeah. they're like zombies yeah <laughs> but they're still like oh i'm gonna go it's like they're fine it's just they're cartoonally destroyed blown up also Actually, so one of the fights that I really enjoyed was even before the Elite Four arc, which was just Ryoko's fight against um, Sanegayama, the first one, Mark One. Um, hmm. First of all, his eye, his eyes moving around like that was freaking weird. That was crazy. That was really creepy. <laughs> was um, but I don't know why, and I think it's a combination of the animation as well as the freaking voice actor who could say, "Man." over and over and over again because um my brother did kendo and those are like actual those are things that you say in kendo and i was just like it's too much it's he's like saying it too fast and i'm like holy shit i just was really <laughs> impressed he was able to say that so fast uh while hitting Ryoko. anyway uh you are not prepared for jojo's michael if we get around uh, to that you're probably right well okay yeah, uh... yeah but also it's hard to say men to kote over like like I I, I I think I know what you're talking about with JoJo, but like yeah, yeah. it's it's there. Anyway. I'm pretty sure they speed it up too. I'm not actually <laughs> sure. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, let's let's shift on over to the music because I don't know if you all uh, picked up on this while you were watching through it, but each I feel like each main or named character has their own soundtrack. Has their own sound cue. Each of the Elite Four have their own music. Mako has it, Satsuki, Ryuko, Raogyun. Um, and 
I never noticed it until the the rewatch how much the music sticks in my head because as I was rewatching it, I was like, oh my god, I remember this music, and it got me hype every single time. And the best part of the music was I feel like anime does this a lot, especially in the climax moments of their shows, is when they play the opening theme. Yeah. In in the scene, uh, I'm specifically talking about the the scene where Mako is running on that huge hamster wheel and they play uh, that song. I don't think it's the opening theme, but it's I think it's, it's the one en- of the the second. It's either the second or the first ending because because it, it, there's two different openings and endings. Yeah, right, right, I think right. it's like the second ending, or it could be the first ending. I don't know. Yeah, some something like that. But whatever song they play during uh, when Mako does the hamster wheel run, it, it gives me chills every single time. Um, every single time I watch that scene. But yeah, what what did you all think about the the music choices this anime had? Uh, Wagner won't be proud. Uh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold claim. My oh goodness. my god! If Wagner watched this. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I, I think I feel like if Wagner watched this, there'd be a lot of things to explain. That would be that other would be than a very the dark timeline, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Send know, a copy like... of Kill a Kill back hundreds of years, <laughs> utterly destroy the Look, timeline. Witness the light motifs. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think that I like. I think like for me personally, Ragyo's and Ryuko's theme were the most prominent. Um, which is pretty interesting since they're pretty much the main character, the main protagonist antagonist, which I think is cool. Um, Ragyo, whenever Ragyo's theme came up, I was like, oh, fuck. Um, but specifically with Ryoko, um, there are, there are like, there are variations of the theme. I don't think necessarily in the melody itself, but in instrumentation. A lot of times you hear it as this, um, this brass chorus, like of trumpets and like horns. And then, and it's like, you know, it feels triumphant, but it also feels, uh, like, not as strong as when you get to the fucking Japanese woman singing, like, Don't lose your way! And it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah! Um, so, yeah, I just think that they they managed to play with that theme really freaking well. Also, there was a funny moment where they start the theme and then they immediately stop it because Mako gets there. And I thought it was really funny. Um, <laughs> other than that, yeah, uh, the music is awesome. Yeah, it's it's really. I don't think there's any show that I've watched before where they they basically commit one specific like almost two minute track to each main character, and they just make sure that it more or less just plays through the entire time while they're experiencing or while they're you know giving a speech while they're experiencing a triumphant moment. You know, like whenever Nui Harime shows up on the screen, that first forty five second soundbite plays every single time she comes down, just to kind of give you that you know that terror and that you know this woman is very clearly a psychopath you know masquerading as a happy teenage girl like and then uh, as you said michael rico's theme and specifically the don't lose your way theme like comes out in a lot of different ways like there's a like a for the slow moments they have it in like a like a like pretty much guitar strings pretty much and it's just like kind of a, a peaceful thing almost but it's still emanates whenever Ryuko is on the screen kind of, you know, staring out at the sunset or having a conversation with Senketsu, for example. Um, Satsuki's theme is pretty much burned in my head at this point because almost every time Honji Academy appears on screen uh, and, you know, as Iris mentioned, you know, all of those 
you know, those masses of students lined up row by row, like that theme is just blaring in your head, showing what is, as you said, the military might of what is essentially a bunch of high school students and Satsuki Kiryuin, this, you know, larger than life authority figure leading them. Um, every single one of these themes, like, I don't think there's ever, uh, I, I haven't watched anything that ever dedicates so much of that music to each individual part of that character before. Like, the two cannot be separated, I don't think, at this point, uh, having watched through it almost three times. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add here. Uh, I sort of did like a speed watch through this uh, show. I didn't have a whole lot of time to super focus on the music, but I will say specifically Raggio's theme is just like like icy daggers in the heart. <laughs> uh, I It's incredible. Um, I, I honestly foresee myself uh, stealing one or more of the tracks uh, from this show for our D D game oh, okay. <laughs> yes don't uh, lose yeah. your way one, okay one not, that one. not that one. <laughs> one, one one more thing when they when when ragio or no when when uh ryuko and satsuki are fighting ragio and uh ryuko has that moment where she has both scissor blades and is essentially trying to do the final like slice against ragio that don't lose your you know the really triumphant don't lose your way theme plays but then it cuts off like immediately once uh, you know, she misses and Ragyo reveals that she, you know, stuck two blades in Ryuko's midsection and essentially bisects her, um, which I thought, you know, it was chef's kiss, honestly. I, I eat that shit breakfast. The bait and switch. <laughs> but yeah, saying. I mean, they, just like with the animation, they play around with the music. Um, another example could be when um, Ragyo is like impaled on that little uh, oh, thing during the betrayal. And they have this like, battle between their two themes where each time one of them is talking their theme plays over the other and like satsuki has this brilliant like silver light while ragyo is the uh the rainbow light and both of the these like two forces are fighting it's it's amazingly well uh reflected in the music and the animation i just love it um but I feel like we did we touched on the antagonists already, uh, so I, why don't we just go straight to the ending of this show? So I feel like the ending of Kill a Kill once again, if it, the dial was up to a thousand, it turned it up to ten thousand, uh, and I don't know why, but Trigger loves ending their shows in space for some reason. <laughs> With uh, Little Witch Academia, uh, tri- uh, Kill a Kill, and of course, uh, Gurren Lagann. Wait, that was in uh, space? But... Little Witch Academia? That was in space? It was in space. Wait, I'm yeah. trying to. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to. I'm trying to actually remember what happened at the oh, end of the show. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I mean. What did you all think about the ending of Kill a Kill and how how they handled the ending as well as how they wrapped up everyone's character arcs and if you thought they did well? Um, I guess I'll start. I think that... Okay, first of all, I thought it was cool that Ryuko was like, I'm going to absorb all of the life fibers now. And... Um, and I think again, it's it's one of those things where it is for me at least. It's it's kind of like a twist in a sense where uh, the the ending is built upon 
the fact that Senketsu can absorb life fibers, right? And so that is something that they spring on you at the end, and she's like, I'm going to absorb, uh, freaking, I forgot the, I forgot her suit's name. Um, Junketsu? Shinra Koketsu. Koketsu, no. that thing. Um, yeah. and, uh, and absorb that, and then therefore absorb all of the life fibers, etc. Um, and so, for me, I don't know why, but it didn't work for me. <laughs> I Ooh, thought the I thought I thought the ending was good, and ultimately the like the sort of denouement, like the last like five minutes, uh, was very satisfying. Honestly, I was like, oh my god, she's wearing jeans. I haven't seen her in pants this entire time. <laughs> 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 um, but I think that they could have done a better job at least setting up the whole absorbing thing because I do admit in the back of my head i was like like the reason that riko is getting stronger is because they're absorbing all the life fibers right that that must be what's happening like she's cutting them all and she's absorbing it happens a lot of like over and over again but then once the reveal comes that riko was infused with life fibers i thought that that was why she was gaining in power and so i lost the whole absorb like senketsu absorbing the whole life fibers thing and so i focused more in on senketsu and ryuko's relationship instead of senketsu's powers in and of themselves and so i think they could have done a better job with that i i I will say obviously i think it's still a good ending but i think it could have been better that's my hot take i don't know maybe not hot but hot take i i kind of see where you're coming from michael because like the, the show intentionally tries to lead you to believe that every time Ryuko defeats an enemy and absorbs their life fiber, she gets stronger. Then it's realized that, you know, Ryuko's actually made a life fiber, so it's more like the bond between her and Senketsu, yeah. as that improves, she gets stronger. And then it's like, well, actually, it's kind of both. Yeah, and like, also, oh, Senketsu, okay, like, it's both? And, and now Senketsu is beginning to absorb, you know, clothes that don't have to be defeated. It's just like, give me all your clothes, and I will go <laughs> <Yeah>. Super Scion. <laughs> like, it's... It is, like, this is the problem with this show for me. And it's not a problem. It's more a problem with me than anything else. The fact that this show is so absurd in every single way can't allow me to look at this and be like, well, maybe they just intended to make it that absurd because they didn't give a shit yeah. about, you know, the the lore or the scientific, you know, reasoning as to why she gets stronger. It's just, you know, well, oh, okay, you, this is... You know they didn't care, though. Like, that's absolutely right. They just don't care. They're yeah, just, and just like, doing whatever the fuck they want to. That's that's exactly what it like for the for the finale. Like, okay, and now Senketsu will absorb everything. His you know eye patch eye will awaken, and he will be he will become you know super scion. And you know Rico has gold hair now. Like, I love the ending, and I, honestly, every part of that I was just watching with rapt attention, and I was just uh, it was hype upon hype upon hype. And again, that's probably a problem with me because I can't seem to find you know anything wrong with this show's like plot progression at all or like the way its stories built because it's so exciting to watch but uh overall i really enjoyed the ending and i think that you know there's definitely merit to say that there's you know the explanation could have been better but with a show that doesn't try to explain pretty much anything or you know if they do try to explain it's like they're basically saying oh this is unexplainable haha because you know it's everything's fucked up and we're wearing clothes and we're fighting against clothes you know like the entire premise of it is so absurd that they 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 just don't bother doing it mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they do have a Gurren Lagann type approach to explaining the quote-unquote science behind, uh, like, the covers and the the original Life Fiber, where every time that someone tries to explain it, Mako, like, dumps it down completely. And it was like, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely think the the choice of things not making sense, things being absurd, is an intentional one. I mean, at the very end, um, Ragyo's like, this is nonsensical. And Ryuko's like, of course we're nonsensical. <laughs> and then she kills her. So, I mean, you can't really be more on the nose than that. But yeah, I just... Yeah, the the whole sequence is... I feel like, for me, it's so on brand for how absurd this show is and has been that I think I can I can forgive it, even though it it does feel like they're pulling this final power out of nowhere uh, at the end. And with, like, Senketsu, like, being able to move during the, uh, the, what was it, submission beam or whatever that, um, her clothes. Absolute submission. Yeah, that's it. So, that's, I think that's the thing, though. I think that the reason that it didn't work for me is because it, it was, in my mind, it was trying to reference something and try to make sense. If it tried harder to not make sense, I think I would have liked it better. Like, if they leaned in more on the whole, I am not clothing, I am not human, but I am somehow both thing that they were going for at the end, which is the whole reason why Ryuko even works to begin with. She's not human, she's not clothing, she's both. Then, like, I think I would have liked it better, because that was the stuff that they were going with. And I was like, yeah, keep going with that. But then they went back and be like, oh, yeah, the reason that happened was because I was able to absorb things. By the way, did you notice that I was absorbing things the whole time? I don't know if that made any difference, but yeah. And so to me, it was like, it's like, it's almost like they, they like petered out at the end. That they were like, they, they like lost me on its absurdity and they just stopped. And they were like trying to go with some explanation. And I was like, if you're going to give an explanation, at least make it good. <laughs> you know, you're honestly reminding me of my reaction to Gurren Lagann. <laughs> we come full circle. But the, we, I we, think we that flipped. Gurren Lagann... flipped. I think Gurren Lagann embraces its absurdity more than this one does. At least in the final arc of Gurren Lagann. In my personal opinion. I think I think I can... I can sit with that hot take. There, there's certainly a balance, I think, that whoever is in charge of Trigger or, you know the the directors slash writers of this of both of these shows Gurren Lagann and and Kill a Kill they're trying to strike that balance of this has to be so absurd that you can look at it and be like this is absurd I can't pay too much attention to it because it's absurd and also be like we are trying to tell a very you know engaging story and for you to do that you have to pay attention to it and you have to like look inwards and reference things that you've seen before like I think I, I think in many ways, Michael, you are right that Gurren Lagann kind of nailed that balance a tiny bit better. Like, I think they found that sweet spot where they really wanted to emphasize, you know, the scale of Gurren Lagann is ridiculous. It's, you know, multiple universes in size and, you know, the stakes get to that. But it's a captivating story that, you know, has a ridiculously, uh, you know, fleshed out second act that improves markedly over the first act and also concludes the story in such a way where you feel like you know even though you watched something truly ridiculous like galaxy-sized robots fighting each other everybody got a resolution that you know they were happy to see with this show 
they they definitely leaned harder into the absurdity part. And I think that, you know, I really enjoyed it, but I can see why if you tried to have a more trained eye on it, you would be like, oh, well, okay, I can see why this, you know, didn't really kind of make sense the same way that Gurren Lock did. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to comment on the balance between absurd and uh, a story that's engaging, I feel like it is something that Trigger tends to, like, always consider whenever they're making shows because they've made a bunch of shows that lean heavily on the absurdity but are absolutely not engaging at all. Um, and vice versa, one where they try to make um, a story... Uh, very engaging and not have any absurdity and not neither of those options work for me as well as when they try to have a balance of both like neither, neither but, engaging nor absurd but a little <laughs> bit of both well i'm saying both <laughs> engaging and absurd um like like gurn logan like kill a kill and i guess that's like little witch academia and i guess that's why i've watched these shows and not touched the other trigger shows as well but yeah i mean if i really get around to that i i really don't know that i would put little witch academia in the same bin as gurren Lagan in this show i mean that one feels like an example of one that's far more engaging than it is absurd mm-hmm. sure there are absurd moments to it but it's like it's still grounded much more oh than yeah incredibly yeah. so much more so yeah. and like it has like all of the traditional sort of the 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 twists and the turns and the reveals and the surprises and the absurdities yes but not even in the same order of magnitude as Gurnlog and kill a kill etc yeah right. I, I can see that but i i do think there is like it does lend, especially like the sushi episode where she's in her dreams. <laughs> you do see that hereditary yeah, absurdness sure, in those kinds of Sure, that's fair. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, if we do get to talk about other trigger shows, that's definitely something I will bring up uh, later on. Yeah, I mean, like overall, I, I, my, my overall take, it would have been so easy for them to tell this story with people who were not teenagers. It would have been so easy for them to tell this story and like have the like honestly the elite four had the perfect goku uniform designs they were amazing they were fun as hell they were really thematic they felt like very in tune with their characters if everyone had had costumes like that i would have been but see but see you didn't you didn't get to watch the mark three versions where they're more like the nudist beach versions (laughs) oh no did i uh... it's it's like it's like a perfect union between the two honestly (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that the Act Two uh, Elite Four uniforms, if everything had been sort of in that vein, I would recommend this show like ten out of ten. And you know the way it is, I cannot. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. All right, folks, that'll do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. This week's YouTube video, I had to pick something as crazy as Kill a Kill in ours, so I went back to the annals of those old stick fight cartoons or animations uh, you saw in the early YouTube sphere. Uh, So this one is called Combat Gods. That probably tells you all you need to know uh, by Janzo. So check that out if you want to get a sense of these absurd fight scenes that happen in Kill a Kill. But uh, once again, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.